Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we welcome Andrew Shear, who paid off $182,000 of debt in about 28 months. Stick around to hear his story. That's coming up. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. And today we welcome Andrew Shear. Andrew is a YouTuber who's got a great channel that has really chronicled his journey. Uh, and that started with some incredible debt reduction uh, and then an enthusiasm for really sharing that message. He's not a professional advisor or investor, but we think he's doing a great job. And so we wanted to bring him on the show. We're going to take you to that right now. On today's show, we welcome the host of the Practical Personal Finance YouTube channel. We've got Andrew Shear joining us. Andrew, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I really love coming on podcasts and talking about personal finance. That's really my passion. So glad to be here. It very much seems so. Your personal finance YouTube channel, uh, and I guess I, I want to hear a little bit of the backstory because you've got really a bunch of videos on a lot of different topics, everything from student loan debt to the basics of what an ETF is to the rule of 72. So some things that we've talked about here on our show, uh, but really a wealth of knowledge. But I guess I want to hear, how did you first get into personal finance as something that you're excited about? Right. So, you know, and like you mentioned on the YouTube channel, I've made about 180 videos in the past 20 months um, about personal finance since I started my YouTube channel back at the end of April in 2020. And I first kind of got into personal finance. I want to say it was when I was a lot younger. Uh, And I want to say that because when I was in high school and when I was even in middle school, I think in sixth grade is when I started having my first job. Um, and at one point when I was in high school, I was actually working three jobs simultaneously, um, three, you know, part-time jobs. And I was working at, at a local library. I was delivering newspapers and I was working for a local jeweler, uh, creating sterling silver jewelry. So I was doing all those jobs and I had a, a safe in my room that I filled with money, uh, that I would collect from my newspaper route. And I would have money that I would deposit from my job at the library and my job with the jeweler uh, to my bank account. And I just remember from that young age being interested in managing my money effectively. And so I think that's really where I got started with my interest in personal finance. Now, I went off to college and I took out a lot of student loans like any naive 18-year-old might do. Um, but you know, sooner or later, I came back to my senses, maybe when I was about 27, 28 years old. And I said, you know what? I have a lot of student loans. It's time for me to clean this stuff up. So I, w- I had been listening to a lot of the, the Dave Ramsey show. And so I think that made a, that might've gotten me, you know, more interested, uh, in personal finance again, re sparked my interest. 
And so that's when I kind of went on this journey of paying off all of my student loans, um, finishing out my car lease and getting rid of that, purchasing a car for cash after that, and um, and just really eliminating all kinds of debt from my life. And when I was getting towards the end of that journey of, of becoming debt-free, I thought, you know what? It would be a good time to start a YouTube channel because it's something I've wanted to do for a long time being that uh, my field is in video production. I've traditionally been a video producer for the past 10 years in a professional capacity. And I've always wanted to have a YouTube channel, but I didn't know what to make it about. And finally, I found something that I was passionate about that I could combine with my ability to make videos. And voila, you have practical personal finance. That's my YouTube channel. Now on your YouTube channel, you cover a lot of topics. And part of what I love about it is you cover them very simply. So anyone can just watch it and really get a feeling for what you're talking about and understand the concept. How do you go about researching these things? Is, is it something you, where you think of the idea you want to talk about and then dive into the topic and, and put together notes? Or are these things that you were already familiar with and just were ready to, to hit film? So in some respects, there, is, there are some topics that I'm super familiar with already. In other regards, like it's stuff that I'm not necessarily familiar with, but I'm passionate about learning about. So I really love just learning about certain things. Like I'll be honest, before I started the practical personal finance, I didn't know a whole lot about things like a Roth IRA or a 401k. And that's just because no one had ever taught me about it. So I did a lot of research about these things. I learned about them. I watched other people's YouTube videos. And then I said, you know what? I feel like there's something missing from these other videos. Let me take my kind of flavor uh, to this topic and, and try to teach people about it in, in my way for the people that, that learn well from the way I teach. Um, and the way I try to make it and break it down and make it simple so that anyone can understand is that, uh, you know, a lot of times I show, I show these things to my wife and I, I say to her, you know, is this something that you understand as someone who's not necessarily, you know, she, she, she's not the greatest at like doing mental math and stuff. But when, some, when someone can explain something to her really well and break it down and make it simple, she's like, oh, I got it. I understand it. So when I show her some of these scripts that I'm writing and tell her about the explanations and say, how does this sound to you? Do you understand this after I explain it this way? If she can say yes, then I know we're good. Um, but if she says it's not so clear, then I know I need to go back and, and explain it and break it down further. Um, but just, I'm always thinking about trying to make things as simple and easy to understand as possible so that someone without any financial knowledge coming into the video can watch it and gain some. Yeah. I, I love that. That's how you approach it. You know, so our show, we tend to talk a little bit more about the investing side and that's kind of both Dan and my business and, and, uh, we like talking about investing. And so I don't think we've done as good of a job explaining debt reduction tactics and kind of what's going on in that space. Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing specifically when you kind of said, okay, I've got to get my arms around the student loan debt. I've got to get debt free. What were your main channels and avenues that you used to pursue that? So the first thing I did was it, it was about kind of like the vision that I and my wife had for our future. And we were kind of thinking about like, what are some of the things we want to do in the future? We want to buy a house. We want to start a family, these kind of things. And we, we kind of were crunching the numbers and we figured that it's just not going to be possible to do some of these things that we wanted to do with the financial situation that we were currently in. 
So we knew we had to, ch- you know, we knew we knew we had to change things up in order to get to where we wanted to go. Um, and so that's kind of what got us started on that journey. And I think that's really important to mention because if you don't have that vision for the future and you don't have that why behind your doing, you know, why you're doing something, you're not going to follow through and do it in the end. You know, you can say I want to do X, Y, and Z, but if you don't, if you don't really have that reason that you want to do X, Y, and Z. You're never going to follow through with it. So that I, I like to mention that up front because I think that's really, really important. I think the other big lesson, I'm sorry to cut you off. The other big lesson in what you just said is having your spouse on the same page, that it was a joint goal. And occasionally we'll meet with folks where like one partner ver- or the other is really interested in getting debt reduced or some other financial goal, but they maybe haven't talked about it and gotten on the same page yet. And it's almost impossible if you've got kind of half of your financial partnership acting as a boat anchor, you know, kind of as you're pulling towards those goals, it's it's never going to work. And so the fact that you guys really attacked it together, I think is another huge credit to to the work that you did. Yeah, and I think that that was really critical to our success as well because, you know, and and this could have gone the other way because, you know, 96, I think it was 96 or 97% of the debt we had as a couple was was what I brought to our marriage. So it was, it was, you know, overwhelmingly my student loans that were the problem, but we worked together to get them done. And I, I don't think we could have done it, you know, if we were going about it independently on our own. Awesome. That's, that's a great credit to, to what you guys did. So what habits did you have to put in place when you hit 27 or, or whenever that flipping point was that you didn't have before to start? When I watch your videos, not only pay down the debt, but also build up an emergency reserve and start working towards a down payment on a home? So number one for us was definitely understanding like what our financial situation was. Like we were on auto, or at least I was, I was on autopilot for five, six years after college. And I just had my my student loans on auto pay and my credit card bill on auto pay. And you know, I was just working to make sure I had enough money in my bank account every month to cover those expenses when when the you know when they were going to get pulled from my bank account. So, number 1 was kind of understanding what the the financial situation was and getting a birds eye view of what was going on. So, first thing for us was we made a list of all of our debts, uh, most of them, you know, being my uh, my own my student loans and uh, and just getting that birds eye view kind of understanding the scope of the problem and the scope of what we were trying to tackle was was really critical um and it and it helped us understand like hey if we're gonna we're gonna eat this elephant we're gonna have to do it one bite at a time um that's that's one of my favorite phrases like you gotta you're gonna attack something big try to achieve a big goal you're gonna do it one step at a time so understanding that was really critical and then you know we started to say you know number one how can we start to make a little bit more money um, what can we do to earn some extra income? And number two, what can we do to reduce our monthly expenses? Um, and I think just tackling both, you know, attacking it from both sides like that, where we said, you know, what can we do? How can I, you know, leverage my, my video business to earn more income for myself? How can I, you know, how can we reduce our monthly spending? Um, you know, some of the tactics that I went and used were, you know, moving from a commercial office space to a home office to save on, you know, monthly office rent and, um, you know, commercial internet 
and uh, phone line and all these kinds of things to reduce those expenses. I think that was a savings immediately of about $1,800 a month that I was spending on those kind of things, transition the business to a home-based business once again, and boom, we, we have a tremendous uh, windfall every month. So we can use that to attack the debt. Um, by the same token, it was there were things that I was sending out to be worked on by independent contractors who were not employed by my company. And I said, you know what? Maybe if I take it, you know, five or 10 extra hours per week and just work on these things myself, I can, you know, quote unquote, earn a little bit of extra money by saving that money that I was paying out to independent contractors. So little things like that on both sides of the coin, earning more, spending less were, uh, were essential to getting the debt paid off. That definitely resonates with us. And um, Dan and I started this business uh, this year, basically right at the start of 2021, our, our financial planning and investing practice. And it has been as lightweight as we could make it in terms of like the overhead that we took in. And we've, we've tried to invest in some tools that are meaningful and make our client experience better. But for sure, we have not gone crazy. We're both working from home. You can see us in our in our living room and office respectively right now. And uh, even when we do need office space, we've been using kind of this subscription through Regis where we can go kind of use an office for meeting people, but we didn't necessarily have to take on that overhead. Uh, so that definitely resonates with me in terms of kind of how we've approached this this new venture for for ourselves. So I think that's a, a great thing that you did to kind of reevaluate some of those expenses and, and, and be able to cut away when you could. And good timing because everyone now is working from home. So you were able to shed the office uh, ahead of everyone else doing so. Yeah, I like to say we had pretty good timing and we got pretty lucky in terms of, uh, you know, moving to a home-based office and kind of, you know, doing some other things as well to kind of change the nature of of the business that we were in. One, One thing we did was we wanted to shift away from doing a lot of, you know, we were doing a high volume of weddings at the time. So my company was doing a lot of wedding videos, right? And when we were doing all these wedding videos, we were doing maybe like 50 or 60 or 70 weddings per year that we were filming as a company. And we said, you know what, we want to kind of scale that back a little bit in order so we can raise our prices up by providing a higher quality of service. And that was another thing that just just so happened to have great timing when the pandemic came along because we didn't have 60 or 70 weddings that we were contracted for. We had 10 or 12. Um, so it wasn't such like a, a struggle to reschedule and cancel and all these kind of things. But 2020 was a terrible year for most wedding vendors, right? I mean, that it was a very, very difficult time for the wedding industry as a whole. And uh, you and I actually met through um, an event that was being put on for a couple that was affected by the pandemic. And uh, so that's how you and I connected in the first place. But uh, did that put stress on the plans that you had made and kind of what you and your wife were working towards to go through that pandemic? It sounds like you were pretty nimble, but I, I expect it was still a stressful time. So the pandemic comes along and, you know, another thing that we had great timing with was that before the pandemic and before moving to Virginia, we were living in Miami. My wife and I were both working for my wedding company, um, doing wedding videos, doing video production um, for businesses and things like that. Pandemic comes along, obviously all of that comes to a screeching halt. But fortunately, my wife had already secured another job that she was working at when we moved to Virginia. And so maybe about like eight or nine months into that job, 
she's no longer working at the office. She's working from home, but we still were very fortunate that we had that stable income from her that we were able to kind of continue, you know, with our, with our debt payoff strategy. We didn't have to, you know, bring that to a screeching halt. Um, so that was, that was another thing where we had just great timing. Great, great timing. A little bit of luck, huh? So notably, personal finance is a topic that is not taught in schools, which I think should be. Uh, I do think your YouTube channel is a great place to be introduced to really important concepts. If someone were trying to start down their journey of being a more informed or you know more responsible finance manager for their house, what are the topics that you think you would highlight to them? If they had to pick three videos to watch that you've produced are, are like the most important get started videos for them. Okay. So the three videos on my YouTube channel that I would recommend to anyone who's looking for a crash course on personal finance. Number one, I made a video called personal finance for high school students. In that video, I, t- I cover a lot of, I cover five different topics in personal finance that I think every high school student should should understand and be knowledgeable about. So that's number one. Uh, Number two is a video I made called Zero-Based Budgeting. This is actually one of the first videos I created on my channel, and it's about how to create a zero-based budget where you look at how much income you have uh, coming in 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 a particular month, you look at how much you're planning to spend in that particular month, and you write it all down, and then you try your best to follow that. And I go through the process of how to do that. And the number three video that I would watch it has to do with a common misconception when it comes to how taxes work. Um, and I made a video called Tax Brackets Explained. Um, and I go, into, uh, I go into an explanation about how you know, marginal tax brackets work in the United States with, the, uh, with progressive taxation and how to calculate your taxes and, uh, and, and how that whole system works. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're... Your YouTube channel is really where I would start if I were trying to begin a personal finance journey on understanding some of these things. Um, and, and obviously, there's other content creators that have done a good job, but I think you do a really nice job with um, kind of the 101 level course. Where, like, I think sometimes if somebody just plugged into our show on a random week, they're going to be like, "What are these guys talking about?" If they haven't been exposed to some of these concepts before, and we still try to talk about them in plain English, but. Uh, I de- I definitely think that we're trying to k- kind of hit that 202 level and above sort of content, but I love that you're putting out that that kind of entry level stuff, but also then elevating from it. You're giving people like a really nice trajectory, and like you said, you've put out 180 videos, which is astonishing. We haven't even gotten to 50 podcasts on on our show yet, doing one a week, and Dan and I still panic about like, oh my gosh, what are we going to talk about next? So uh, it's it's really tremendous that that you've been able to do that. What's next for you as you think about kind of what else you'd like to tackle? Are there topics that you've been kind of weary of going into? Or does the show kind of follow your personal journey a little bit in, in terms of kind of what you're dealing with? Well, I think the journey the I think the show kind of follows my personal journey like you alluded to a little bit. Um, you know, I definitely like to create content, you know, about myself personally, because I think that's really how I'm able to kind of connect with with certain audiences and certain people out there is they can see a little bit of them, you know, themselves in me, or they can see a little bit of me and themselves. Um, and they can kind of look at what situations I might've been in, I might've faced and kind of understand how I, you know, went and faced them. And that's, that's why I think it's really important to kind of tell my story as, as well as 
other videos where I try to educate about a specific topic. Um, so I think I'm definitely going to continue doing more videos about, you know, things that I've done, what I've accomplished, strategies that I've used. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to be core to the channel. Um, and then, you know, second, I think that I'm definitely going to delve more into some investing topics as I become more of a savvy investor myself. So it's something I've been learning about over the past several years, trying to educate myself more about. And I've, finally feel like I'm getting to that point where I can talk about investing uh, knowledgeably enough and, and break it down to be simple enough for an average person to understand. So I think that's that's the type of video that you're you're definitely going to see a little bit more of on my channel going forward. Awesome. There is, there is one thing I, I'll mention here, and I don't know if you guys want to add this in or not, but you know, just one concept of, of investing that, that, was never super clear to me. And it's, I, I don't think it's clear to many people. Um, and I've asked some other financial advisors their thoughts on this. Uh, you know, I don't think people understand that the, co- the concept of investing, right, is you're taking your money and you're essentially putting it into an account and then you're using that money in the account to purchase, you know, some kind of investment. And then, and then that investment lives in the account in place of your money. Right. Is that like a satisfactory way of explaining that? I think so. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're right, because I I, when I generally explain investing to somebody that has never experienced it before, I tend to focus on like, what is your money actually doing? Right. That we're actually buying shares. We're buying a piece of a business and you're now a part owner, whether that's, you know, largest companies in the world or something much, much smaller or you're buying tiny, tiny fractions of many companies through index funds or, or something of, of the sort. So I tend to focus on that nature of it. But you're right. The actual mechanics of how the brokerage account works, that you're kind of exchanging your cash for what's going to live on paper as those shares, uh, I, I think you're you're explaining that correctly. So I, I just feel like you know people understand like savings and checking accounts at banks, but they might not understand brokerage accounts but they're very similar. You're putting money into you know a brokerage account, which is akin to a savings account if you leave it in there as cash, and then you're just exchanging it for those assets which then are living in that account. So I think that's that's like one of these fundamental things that people just don't understand when it comes to investing. So and then there's different there's different you know types of accounts, obviously like Roth IRA or a traditional IRA or a 401k. These are just different types of you know, what could be checking or savings accounts on that same level, a different place to put your money. For what it's worth, this is something that we run into a lot where people don't understand their account types. And even the the language around them is super duper confusing. Because it, in the world of an IRA, you can have a brokerage IRA. People have annuity IRAs. You can have a CD IRA. You could go to your credit union and open a CD, a certificate of deposit with the credit union, but it's an IRA account. and so kind of the notion of like the account type being the wrapper or the structure, which is really going to control how you pay taxes and when you pay taxes and why you pay taxes. That's a really, really big, hairy concept that I think is difficult. And then on the brokerage side of how do you actually transact and what are you able to buy, sell and access through the broker is is kind of the second piece, I think, of what you're talking about. But But both of those, I think, are big slightly complicated topics, especially if you've never done it before. If you haven't placed that first trade, I think it's it's a lot. Yeah. 
and that's this is the kind of stuff that I really want to that I really want to dive into in in the future of my YouTube channel uh, to help people understand this kind of stuff because I just feel like the average person doesn't they I mean they they they're aware of apps like Robinhood or or E-Trade or Webull and then they can go into that app and they can purchase stocks or funds or whatever they whatever they purchase but at the same time you know, it's it's just like another. You know, Robinhood is ju- it's just like a bank. You're just depositing money into an account with them, and and they're you know akin to your bank or your credit union, and you're you're using it to buy those assets. So I think that's that's something I really want to touch on with people. And like I know I, I know I want to do a video about like the mechanics of like how a mutual fund works, um, because I think that's something that was misunderstood and something I really found tremendously interesting myself. How you know. You're giving money to you know the mutual fund, which is itself you know the the mutual fund itself. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, because I I could be. I know I don't I don't know for sure, but um, I'm fairly certain that the mutual fund is itself a company, right? And you know, technically, so it, you're giving money to this company, and this company is depositing it into their account. They're giving you shares of the mutual fund, but then they go out and purchase the the assets. Um, with your money. So it's not, they don't have those assets purchased when you give them the money. You're giving them the money, they give you a share of the mutual fund company, and then they're going to purchase the assets uh, on paper with, with your cash that you've deposited. Yeah, the mechanics of mutual funds are pretty interesting. Uh, and, and that's why they trade differently than, than stocks and ETFs too, right? You have right. to redeem your shares instead of selling your shares. And they trade at end of day because they need to calculate what they're worth. And and in many ways, and this I don't want to like completely take people off the deep end, and our all of our listeners drop off. But that's kind of why e- ETFs are so attractive in some ways, is because they can be actively created and redeemed during the day. Where the mutual fund, um, basically, you're right; they have a big account, and that company could have multiple of these, right? They could have many funds under the same company, but uh, they're going to going to basically have a big brokerage account that, that gets the money deposited into it. And similarly, when a redemption is being made, they may have to sell something. Now, most funds are going to keep some cash around to kind of deal with those redemptions. uh, But there is some cash always kind of jingling around in their account. And there's the possibility that they have to start selling some of their assets if a bunch of people are redeeming shares at the same time, uh, which, again, that kind of then puts other pressure on maybe other investors if they're selling something that has a capital gain that gets distributed, right? I mean, there's just like a lot of implications to that where you know mutual funds are not a bad product, but um, people do not understand most of those mechanics that I just kind of went through. Yeah, I, I just find that stuff really interesting. And the, the way I got down that rabbit hole is I, I was just asking the question, like why are mutual funds only traded at the end of the day versus why are ETFs traded throughout the day? Yep. And that's, you know, just doing research about that topic and learning about it. That's what I learned. And that's what I want to help explain and share with people. Very cool. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, understanding kind of what holding an investment in an account type is like when I started in banking and I always used to be asked, what do IRAs pay these days? And that used to always frustrate me because people didn't understand what they were talking about. First of all, But really, the root of the problem is where people are getting information from. So if you were getting started and only had a few thousand bucks in your account and you're interacting with the banker at the bank, they're not going to teach you about, you know, investing within an IRA. They they might be inclined to 
pitch you a CD that you can have in an IRA to because that's something that's available to them and that's accessible to you. But right, that's doing a disservice to the person if they end up funding a half a percent IRA CD instead of understanding that an IRA can hold almost anything. You just have to find the information in order to to get yourself to to do that. So the thing that I wanted to come back to uh, here as we kind of wrap up, we've taken some playful shots at Dave Ramsey on our show, uh, and it sounds like for you, he's done a lot of good in your life, uh, both through his show and kind of what you've taken away from it. So the other video of yours I really enjoyed was that you didn't get to do the Dave Ramsey debt-free scream. Are you willing on our show, Check Your Balances, to share with the world your debt-free scream? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. All right, so I'm Andrew Shear. I paid off over $182,000 over the course of, what was it, 30, 28, 28 months, was it? I'm pretty sure it was 28 months that I paid off over $182,000. And here's my debt-free scream. I'm going to count it down. Three, two, one. I'm debt-free! Congratulations. And that, that really is incredible. Uh, I love that you're putting your story out into the world. I love that you're creating a really, uh, I think, valuable resource. And I hope that the the journey for you in personal finance and that excitement continues. Thanks so much for joining our show today. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, go check out Practical Personal Finance on YouTube. Love to see you there. One more big thank you to Andrew for joining the show today. We will link to the Practical Personal Finance YouTube channel in the show notes. And as always, if you've got questions for Dan and I, send them to checkyourbalances at outlook.com. We love hearing from you. We've got plenty of mugs still to ship out to folks that have questions for us, and we will catch you next week.